Isn't it good to know that he is our rescuer? He's our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, and we can always trust in him. And that is certainly good to know. We're talking about experiencing light today from Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 and following. Jesus in John chapter 6, excuse me, John chapter 8 and John chapter 9, he said, I am the light of the world. And we see that in various portions of Scripture. But it's very important that we experience that light. I think sometimes we look around us and we think the world is dark. Things are poor. Things are really going downhill. We think of the past and things are not like they used to be. And yet we know that God's the same, is he not? Yesterday, today, and forever. We can always trust in him, but we need to focus on that light. Take your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 4 as we continue looking at this portion of Scripture, beginning to read verse number 12. And when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. He said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we gather together to look into your word, we recognize that sometimes we don't understand it very well. Sometimes we don't know you as well as we would like to. Just pray that you'll guide us and direct us and, and help us to understand and to apply for your honor and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think sometimes we have a woe is me mentality we think to ourselves, we live in a difficult time, and I think we do live in a difficult time. But I believe that down through the years, people have lived in difficult times. In, in Matthew chapter 4, it starts off in verse number 12, talking about John the Baptist being put into prison. We know that, that he said something that the king did not like. He was talking about the, the marital status of the king, and the king put him into prison and eventually beheaded him because of what he said. Now, we're not 
there yet to a great extent, but I don't know. In America, we could get there. We could get to the point where when we talk about God's Word and quote Scripture, uh, we, can, we can be uh, accused of hate crimes and so on. And we think it might not happen, but it's, it's happening. I believe it's Scotland that, that uh, there, there's some people that are involved in the church that preach sermons and, and, and made um, different, uh, I, I guess, uh, claims from Scripture that are just straight from Scripture, and, and they've been charged of hate crimes. Uh, it, it's criminal now in some places to preach the Word of God. And it, it's a dark time that we live in. But it's been a dark time in, in, in the days past as well in many different areas. And we need to recognize that there is darkness. But isn't it true that when there is darkness, light can shine brighter? And in the darkness that we see in Matthew chapter 4, the light of Jesus shined very brightly. After leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, the Sea of Galilee. Sometimes it's called the Sea of of Tiberias in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali. Now, those are two areas. When, when the children of Israel came into the promised land, the 12 tribes were distributed land to each tribe. And, and Zebulun and Naphtali were given land up north near the Sea of Galilee. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. And, and I, I believe it's in Isaiah chapter 9. That it says this, the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. There were, this was a pessimistic region. It was an evil region. In fact, in Nazareth, uh, wasn't it Philip that said, or, or Nathaniel that said, can anything, any good thing come out of Nazareth? Uh, there was a lot of darkness in that land, but Jesus appeared, a light shone. It goes on to talk about the light shining in verses 23 and following. Jesus went about all Galilee doing three things. Number one, teaching in their synagogues. Number two, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And number three, healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them, and a great multitude followed him from different places. In other words, he shared the light. He was teaching, he was preaching, and he was healing. He was making a difference in the lives of people. I think the first thing we need to do is experience the light. We need to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul put it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 23. We preach Christ and him crucified. We need to focus on Jesus Christ. First of all, to recognize the light. There are a couple of portions of Scripture uh, that go along with this. In John chapter 1, uh, there, there are different places that... that, uh, that the, the Bible talks about the light of Jesus, and John chapter 1 is one of them. John 1, 6 and following says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, who was that? John the, John the Baptist. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Now, it's talking about John the Baptist, who came 
as a forerunner to Jesus Christ to make way the, the way for the Lord, uh, to proclaim about the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one in John chapter 1 uh, later on that said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So John was not that light, but he was bearing witness of the light. He was telling people about Jesus Christ. Verse number 9, that was the true light which gives light to everyone, every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. You know, there are a lot of people in that day that perhaps knew the Bible fairly well, thinking about the scribes, the Pharisees, and so on. But when the Messiah came, when the Son of God showed up, they did not recognize him. And I believe that if we want to experience the light, number one, we need to recognize the light. We need to recognize who Jesus was. We have so many prophecies in the Old Testament looking ahead to the time when the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, would be born in Bethlehem, uh, would live a life of about 33 years or so, would die a horrible death on the cross uh, to pay the penalty for our sins. He would rise again and, and provide everlasting life for you and me. The Old Testament looks ahead to the New Testament and what happened, but people did not recognize who Jesus was. Do you think we live in an age in which some people don't recognize who Jesus is? I think that's obvious. Uh, people don't recognize that Jesus is the Lord. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. Number one, recognize the light, recognize Jesus Christ. And if, if you really don't know Jesus Christ, you don't know about Jesus Christ, then, then you need to spend time reading God's Word. Uh, start in Matthew and just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You'll learn a lot about the Lord Jesus Christ. Just read a chapter a day. And as you do that, you'll learn what He said, what He did, how He ministered, and so on. So well, number one, experience the light. Recognize the light and then receive the light. Look at verses 11 and 12, significant verses. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. What's the opposite of receiving? Rejecting. His own rejected him. It goes on to say, but as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become the children of God to those who believe on his name. That's the gospel in a nutshell. As, as you look at John chapter 1 and verse number 12, you recognize that Jesus came, and as you look at Scripture, he came to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. But the problem is that people rejected him. There are two things we can do with Jesus Christ. We can reject him, or we can receive him. We can say no to Jesus Christ, or we can say yes to Jesus Christ. Now, the smart thing is to say yes to Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If we want to not perish but have everlasting life, if we want to have fellowship with God, if we want to spend eternity with him in heaven, then we need to say yes and to receive him. And he gives us the power, the right to become his children. We're adopted into his family and we experience fellowship with him and everlasting life. But some people don't receive him. Some people say no. They do it for various reasons. For some, they don't understand, perhaps. I had opportunity one time to, to have a couple in my church go to a crusade, and they got saved at the crusade. And they came back from the crusade and said, nobody has ever told us that before. Well, they'd been in my church for three years. 
And y'all know that I, on a fairly regular basis, share the good news about Jesus Christ, that we're sinners, that we deserve to go to hell, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and if we believe, we have everlasting life. But they didn't get it. And I believe that there are some people that don't get it, that don't understand the gospel, and therefore they say no, they reject the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that there are some who get it, but they don't like it. They don't like that we need to trust Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. If it was just a ticket to heaven, if it was just a matter of saying a prayer and then living like we've always lived, then that would be one thing. But what the Lord Jesus wants us to do is to turn from our sin and trust Christ as Savior. He wants to clean us up, so to speak. He wants us to change, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. He wants us to walk in newness of life. And some people are not willing to stop doing the things they're doing to trust Jesus Christ as Savior and as Lord. Then there's some people that just want to wait. They want to wait till the last minute. And at the last minute, they'll say yes to Jesus Christ after they have enjoyed life. Not recognizing that really Jesus came that we might have life. Chuck, what should I do? All right. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. It's not just a ticket to heaven. Instead, it's a relationship with Jesus Christ that makes a difference in every area of life and ministry. And they don't recognize that, that it's a positive thing to say yes to Jesus Christ. Their perspective is that God's up there and he wants to make us miserable. But that's not true. God is up there and he wants to bless us but maybe not bless us in the way that the world says it's good to be blessed. I, I think that when we look around at the world and we see the people that have the money and the fame and the power and the pleasure and everything else of that nature, how many of them are just totally miserable? Many of them are. And some people, they decide they want to wait as long as they can before they trust Jesus Christ as Savior. You know, there's a problem with that. And the problem is they, they might be in an accident or, or they might have a sickness that they, they are not able to, to have time to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Uh, so what we need to do is, is recognize that some people say no, but we need to recognize who Jesus is and receive him as our Savior and Lord. That's what the gospel is all about. So number one, we experience the light by recognizing Jesus, by receiving Jesus as our Savior. But number two, we eliminate the darkness. We eliminate the darkness. Look at verse number 17. I just need to quickly say we're talking about Matthew 4, 17, that we cannot eliminate the darkness on our own, but we can take certain steps that help us to have the darkness eliminated. Verse number 17 says, From this time Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, it's interesting to me, it says he began to say that. The implication is that he didn't, he didn't really do much preaching before this time. Uh, I would imagine that sometimes it had been hard for him not to, to preach, but this is when he really started to preach, and, and to preach a message of repentance. Repentance is a word that many of us don't like, especially in America today, because it has to do with turning from our sin. But what it means is to change our mind, to recognize that we're thinking wrongly and change the way that we are thinking. That's why Paul in Romans chapter 12, 
And verse number two talked about being transformed by the renewing of our minds. We change the way that we think. Repentance is extremely important because we've got a problem with sin. Now, sin keeps us from going to heaven unless we trust Jesus Christ as Savior. And, and we need to do that. But sin, even after we're a Christian, can keep us from enjoying fellowship with God if we allow it to control our lives. Uh, we, we believe that if we know Jesus Christ as Savior, we're going to heaven. But there's so many of us that have what might be called besetting sins, sins that get the best of us time and time and time again. There are two kinds of sins. One is a sin of commission. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 4 says, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawless or lawlessness. In the King James, it says sin is the transgression of the law. In other words, when the Bible says thou shalt not steal and we steal, guess what we've done? We've sinned. When the Bible says thou shalt not commit adultery and we commit adultery, what have we done? We've sinned. And there's so many other portions of scripture that the Bible speaks to different issues and we disobey God's word. We transgress against God's word and we are sinning. This is a sin of commission. Most of us recognize that. But there's also a sin of omission. A sin of omission is when we, when we know that we ought to do something, we don't do it. In fact, James put it like this in James chapter four and verse number 17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Now, there, what are some good things that we know to do? Uh, read the Bible, is that a good thing to do? I mean, God's word talks about reading scripture and memorizing scripture and so on like that. So if we do not do that, what is it? It's sin. The Bible says we need to witness. We need to tell people about Jesus Christ. That's part of being a disciple, going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature. If we don't do that, what are we doing? We're sinning. And there's so many other things that maybe we ought to be doing, but we're not doing, and that is sin. Sin is when we fall short of the glory of God, when we do not meet his standard. And it's important for us to recognize that so often we allow sin to get the best of us instead of getting the best of sin. Sins of commission, sins of omission. So what do we do when we recognize that there's some problems with sin in our lives? I think that, that we need to do two things. Number one, we do need to repent, to turn from our sin. And number two, we need to replace. First John chapter one, verses five through 10. If you'll turn there for just a minute. First John chapter one, Verses five through 10. It's interesting to me that, that we talk, we, we see that God is light in John chapter one, as well as in first John chapter one. Verse, verse five, this is the message. First John one, five, which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. It's possible for us to, to say and probably even to think we're doing pretty well, when in reality we're walking in darkness instead of walking in the light. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. 
So if we claim that we don't have sin, that we're not doing wrong, that we don't have a sin nature and so on, we are, we're lying. We're not practicing the truth. The reality is all of us sin. All of us have issues. All of us have problems. And when we recognize our sin, it's important for us to do what verse number nine said, and that's to confess our sins. And the promise is if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I believe that when we think about confession, confession is saying the same word that God says. That's homologos, saying the same word that God says about sin. What does God say about sin? It's wrong. It's sin. It's falling short of the glory of God. And what we need to do is to confess our sin, but the implication is that we not only confess it, but we repent. If you go to to the prison, there are some prisoners that say, well, I didn't do it. There are other prisoners that confess, and in one sense, they say, yeah, I did it. And if I had opportunity, I'd do it again. Is that true confession? I would say not. I would say that the word of God is talking about us confessing and repenting. Not only acknowledging that we've done wrong, but saying, God, with your help, I don't want to do wrong anymore. I want to turn from my sin. I want to stop doing what's wrong and start doing what is right. This is also reflected in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It's a portion of scripture that that uh, probably most of us are familiar with. It says, therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us do two things. Number one, lay aside every weight. And then number two, lay aside the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus. Lay aside every weight. Now, a weight is something which is not necessarily wrong in itself, but it holds us back. It keeps us from really running the race well. It keeps us from focusing on living the Lord. We need to lay that aside. But we also need to lay aside the sin which so easily besets us, the sin that gets the best of us, so to speak. And that's what repentance is all about, turning from our sin. Now, in all probability, you could think of a sin or two that get the best of you on a regular basis. It's, it's a scenario where uh, we, we would prefer for it not to be the case, but the reality is that so often these sins that, that, um, that we have weaknesses in, in different areas, they tend to get the best of us. We talked a couple of weeks ago about overcoming temptation by quoting scripture, by watching and praying, by, by fleeing temptation, by being accountable, by trusting God. But still, sometimes these things get the best of us. And what we need to do is confess and repent. We need to acknowledge our sin and turn from our sin. To lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us so that we can live our lives 100% for God. I think one of the problems is that we get tired of confessing our sins. We get tired of, of confessing the same sin time and time again to the Lord. But what's the alternative to confessing it time and time again? It's just to do it without worrying about it. And that's certainly not what God wants us to do. I believe that, that, that it's true that as we keep confessing our sins to the Lord and repenting and turn, trying to turn from our sin, that little by little, God gives us the grace that we need to overcome our sin. But we need to, number one, repent. 
But I think this, this is key. Not only do we need to repent, but we also need to replace. Notice what it says in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, not just repent on its own, but recognize the kingdom of heaven is at hand and we need to focus on the kingdom of heaven. When we repent genuinely and we focus on the kingdom of heaven, then we have a great opportunity to overcome temptation. In other words, what we need to do is we need to repent, turn from our sin, and replace it with something which would be our relationship with Jesus Christ. You're probably familiar with Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 33. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Uh, Jesus was basically saying our tendency is to focus on things like food and shelter and things of that nature. What we need to do is we need to focus on the kingdom of God, the rule of God in our lives, because that's what it's talking about. It's not talking about a, a certain kingdom on earth. It's talking about God being in charge, God being the ruler. The kingdom of heaven uh, basically has to do not with the location of heaven. It has to do with the God of heaven and we allow him to be controlling our lives. We allow him to be our king. And as we're focused on him and his kingdom and his will, then that helps us to, to be able to really truly turn from our sins. Stephen Olford put it like this. He's a, he was a great preacher and a, a, a pastor, two preachers. And one of the statements that he would sometimes make or talk about was the expulsive power of a new affection. He sometimes used big words, but I would often explain them. And expulsive means that it expels. Uh, and when we're talking about sin, we would like for sin to be expelled or eliminated. Well, sin can be expelled or eliminated as we focus on a new affection. In other words, as we really focus on our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, let me just, let me just use an illustration there. There are a couple of golfers in the church, but not a whole lot of golfers. Let's say that you really, 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 really love golf. And, and what you do is, is you, you read a golf magazine. I mean, it comes on a weekly or a monthly basis, and you start at the beginning and read all the way through. You make sure that you are going golfing several days a week. You might even go on Sunday, but you have to be careful. If you get a hole-in-one on Sunday, then you can't really tell anybody that you got it. You're, you're really focused on, on golf and playing golf and so on like that. But then your relationship with Jesus Christ becomes more important. And, and you think to yourself, instead of going to play golf on Sunday morning, I need to go to church on Sunday morning and worship God and spend time with fellow believers because that's what God's word says to do. I've got an illustration. Ron, Ron Brazel has shared this before. I'm sure he would not mind me sharing it, uh, that he used to go deer hunting a lot. And, and I hear that going deer hunting with Ron Brazel was really an experience. But sometimes he would go deer hunting on a Saturday, lose some dogs, and he wouldn't be able to get home until 3, 4, 5 o'clock on Sunday morning. And guess what he would sometimes do? He wouldn't make church a priority. He came to the point where he recognized that church was a priority. And, and it was a, an expulsive power of a new affection. Deer hunting became less important because he was focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And isn't that what is supposed to happen to us? Not that playing golf is wrong, I don't believe it is. Not that deer hunting is wrong, I don't believe it is. But sometimes we allow either weights or sins to get the best of us so that we do not focus on our relationship with Jesus Christ and follow him 100%. We need to not only repent, but replace. Make sure that our focus, our affection is on Jesus Christ and that we're seeking to live for him. In Matthew chapter four, we, we, we see Jesus coming into an area and he's the light and people experience the light. They, they see him, they hear him, they watch what he does, well, what he, what he do, does and what he says and so on. And, and as they experience that light, some of them recognize that he is the Messiah and they receive him as their savior and Lord. And then they repent. They turn from their sin and replace that sin with a focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Another illustration has to do with, with uh, the, the calling of the disciples. We're gonna go into that more next week. I uh, remember when Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. These fishermen had met Jesus before. Andrew and Peter had had an experience with Jesus before, but they had gone back to their fishing, so to speak. And in this particular situation, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They decided that they were going to replace what they were doing with a wholehearted following of Jesus Christ. And I guess that's the question we need to ask ourselves. Are we ready to follow Jesus Christ 100%? He is the light of the world. Have we recognized that light and have we received Jesus as our savior? And are we living a life of repentance where we are consistently confessing and repenting our sin and focusing on, on our relationship with Jesus Christ, on loving him, on trusting him, on obeying him? That's what the Christian life is all about. And that's what I encourage you to consider today. I think sometimes we play church. Uh, we come to church and, and we have good motivation or intentions. We come to church and, and, and we, we want to, to hear a message and, and sing and things of that nature. But there's not a really a wholehearted commitment to Jesus Christ. We're not following him with all of our heart. And I think that's exactly what we need to do. Did you know there are 57 days till Easter? I didn't know that till I looked at the calendar. And last year we did a 40 day to Easter thing. Um, this year, we're going to do a 50-day to Easter thing. We're going to start next Sunday. Actually, next Sunday is the first of 50 days. Easter will be the 50th day. And we're going to really focus on what we as individuals, what we as a church need to be doing and thinking and saying and praying and things of that nature. One of the things I'm hoping to do is to to uh, have a, a text messaging service where I can send out text messages to those who want to receive them with a link that shares, that, that takes you to a devotional, that takes you to a portion of scripture, that takes you perhaps to an action item for that day. We'll be working on that during the course of this week. Um, but we want to make sure that all of us together are really seeking to, to not only recognize the light, but receive the light, to, to repent, and to replace it with, a, with an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ that makes a difference in every area, not only of our individual lives, but of our church. Don't you wanna be what God wants you to be and do what God wants you to do? Don't you want us as a church to be what God wants us to be and to do what God wants us to do? <coughs> 
I'll be sharing more about this, of course, uh, this upcoming Sunday. Uh, but if you want to be a part of this, if you want to receive texts, I encourage you to, to, to just let me know your name, to text me, to call the church office, and we'll, we'll give you an opportunity to do that next week as well. But just to, just to basically say, I really do want to, to, to move away from the past, to forget the past, to look ahead to the future, and to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we continue to look at the light, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we will respond by trusting and obeying, by repenting and replacing, by making sure that our focus is on an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ that makes a difference in our lives, and that we as a church might determine that by your grace, we are going to do what you want us to do, that we're going to be faithful in the areas of evangelism and discipleship, that we're going to love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another. Lord, I pray that you will transform us by the renewing of our minds so that we can prove your good, acceptable, and perfect will so that you can be honored and glorified. All this we pray in Jesus' name.